Hello and welcome to the 10th episode of Mega Ten Marathon. It's a game-by-game journey through the Shin Megami Tensei and Persona games. I'm Paul, and who am I here with? It's me, it's Brian, again, as always. Hey, and I'm Evan, and I'm back. And I'm Ian, and I'm back. Yay, Ian's back, only for a short time. We will soon be disposing of his body. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. Most people use me for my body. <laughs> We're going to fuse him with Surg and see what comes out. Oh, man. <laughs> We're just going to continue fusing our guest hosts? Oh, God. If that's what it takes to get me a mustache, I'm on, like, I'm down. Let's do All it. All right. You'll get a mustache, but it'll be very ginger. I mean, that's <laughs> fine. Mine already kind of is. Isn't Surg just, like, the ultimate chaos hero? <laughs> So, yeah, definitely a little bit. <laughs> um, so in this episode, we are doing our uh, second go through on uh, the first Persona game. Uh, anybody got a quick recap of what happened in the previous episode? I can try. Okay, so there's these there's this game like Bloody Mary called Persona. These kids played it. It, I guess it was a coincidence that them playing it also sort of led to this weird influx of strange events. Because really what caused it is like alternate realities meshing together? Which they find out because their friend Maki, who they thought was in a coma, it actually shows up alive. But turns out it's not her. It's a Maki from another universe where everything's slightly different. And also their friend, uh, who is it, Yusuke, ended up in the alternate dimension as well. Yosuke? Yosuke! And he was, um, and he was, uh, supposedly chasing after a girl, and they all thought they eloped, but nah, he just got caught in the alternate dimension, and, uh, we'll get back to Yosuke's storyline later. Uh, but anyway, our heroes, you know, they, uh, you know, they find, uh, the scientist who's been experimenting with alternate timelines in Seebeck, and then, then they're stuck in this alternate timeline after, you know, thinking that they were in their own. And now we're just we're we're firmly planted in this new reality that we are no longer in the world we started the game in. There's a little girl in a black dress named uh, Mai, and she, uh, you know, kind of looks like Maki. Wait, is the girl in the black dress Mai? Or it's Aki. Aki. Well, fuck it. Spoiler alert. We're going to learn uh, this later in the <laughs> game. All. But there's two little girls. One's named Mai and one's named Aki. And uh, they kind of <laughs> both look like Maki. Hmm, I wonder. Interesting. Parallel realities? Similar looking characters? (laughs) What could it all point to? I don't know, dude. Maybe the game (laughs) should, like, go a little more out of its way to spell it out to me. Oh, and just to make sure (laughs) no one missed this fact, but the last boss we fought was a robotic rat tank controlled by the girl in the black dress. I was really disappointed that nothing that weird or crazy happens in this, like, stretch of game. Because I was kind of hoping that it would just, like, turn into just all of that. Just I weird mean, nothing, circus music. Nothing that crazy happens, but, I mean, the next boss is pretty special. So let's let's get the ball rolling. <laughs> all right. So uh, once you're done fighting the uh, rat tank. I think his name is Tesso. Um, yeah, Tesso the rat tank. You uh, head on. You are now exploring the new world. And uh, you head out to the library on uh, Yosuke's instructions, and you find a big black door. Oh, and the school's yeah. normal now. So, like, before, oh, yeah. like when we were exploring back. it earlier, it was a dungeon. Now it's back to its three-floor structure. Nothing all that crazy. Yeah, and you meet a, uh, curiously named, a devil boy. That's what all the characters call him? I forgot what his real name was. He's super pale, and he has, like, I don't think it matters. He he has, like, five lines, and he doesn't really say much. He's a really weird character, because he knows what's going on. Like, Mm -hmm. that there are two dimensions, but he's not, like, from the real world. He's just like, oh, I'd I'd love to meet the real devil boy. (laughs) And then you just kind of leave, and he never comes back. Um, Yeah, he does. He knows a lot lot about what's going on. He knows that there are uh, two worlds explains this to you, and he points you to the Ayala Shrine, which is pretty close to the, um, to the school. You go back out to your, uh... His real name is Sotumi Kukori. Okay. Just so we're, you know, on the record there, (laughs) at our research. Okay, onwards. Yeah, so you go back out to, uh, the Google Map, 
uh, of the world, and uh, you head on up to the Isle Shrine. And if once you walk in there, there is a golden butterfly flitting about. We've seen this golden butter- butterfly before. And it triggers another uh, cutscene with uh, Philemon, who uh, is the sort of uh, mystical figure who resides in a dreamlike world and um, is kind of guiding you and your personas. And he tells you pretty much, he just gives you a fair amount of exposition and explains that this world is a counterfeit of your own. And uh, tells you that you have to uh, find the Expelmer to uh, continue. And he's very straightforward with you. Like, much more so than any other Shin Megami Tensei, like, enigmatic mentor character. He's just like, alright, here's the deal. Kandori's here, there's a fake world, Uh, there's this mirror, you gotta go get it, here's where it is, get out of here. And you're like, oh, (laughs) okay, yeah. And even in comparison to uh, his first cutscene, where he's, you know, he... uh, maintain some kind of like mystique yeah yeah and this one it's odd it's odd because it switch switches to a fully animated cutscene, and uh it's just a bunch of like uh exposition and waypointing and there's not a whole lot of those in the game there are a few but you know it's strange that that's what they uh decided to devote the resources to so you got to get to uh got to get inside the museum to uh get this uh expelmer and uh, to do that, you have to go down into the subway. And the subway is, you know, a reasonably sized but pretty simple dungeon. Well, you know, okay, it is a simple dungeon. But it is also an, an, it's an annoying dungeon because uh, there are one-way tiles. <laughs> yes, there are one-way tiles that will only take you in a certain direction. And so you've got to be aware of that. And uh, if you can, you can get stuck in loops if you're not paying attention to that. You know, I kind of miss. I wish there was like a map para equivalent for this game that would like tell you about tiles that you haven't stepped on and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I wish they had that too. And then the thing that's kind of weird is that it will show your your footsteps on the mini map. Up to a certain point, it'll only show like your like last ten steps, and then it forgets it forgets them. Eh. And I'm not really sure how much function that really has in showing you that. I never get any more information out of that than I already had, you know. So it's helped. It's helped me occasionally, mostly whenever it spins you around for a battle, and I don't remember which way I was facing. Oh, yeah. fair mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, I have a weird. Like I have like a weird uh, constant memorization of which direction I was supposed to be heading, so I get how that would be useful to other people, but I've never even thought about that. Yeah, I'm less good with the uh, with the mazes, and um, you know, if it was fully functional and showed you everywhere you had already been, that would be really helpful. But uh, and there's time, you know, early on in the game, I thought that's what it was doing, and then I uh, found out pretty quickly that it wasn't really doing that. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Um, the enemies aren't that bad down in the, uh, down in the subway. Um, you, uh, but you can just get through here and do some grinding. And, uh, then you will come on to, uh, come across your, uh, first boss for this section of the game. And, uh, this is Yogg Sothoth Jr. <laughs> and he kind of looks like, uh, I don't know, like, he doesn't uh, look like anything monster. like his dad. No, he sort of looks like, uh, a punk rock goblin in, <laughs> ha- like, a half breakdance move. It looks like someone Godzilla would have fought in, like, the late 80s. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, so who, who here's a, who here's a Lovecraft reader? Oh, I, think, uh, I am. Us, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, Yogg Jr. Um, how do we explain Yogg for people who aren't familiar? It's one of the harder ones to describe, <laughs> I think. Um, hmm. <laughs> Is everyone pulling up the Wikipedia page and, like, looking for a, a desperate <laughs> hint? I would say, <laughs> yeah. I would say Yogg Sothoth is like this, um,. It's a being from between the stars that's not really normally visible to human eyes. And um, I want to say one of the stories involves somebody growing it in somebody's attic. Hmm, I think you might be right. 
Like I know it's like it's um it's omnipotent. Uh, it knows everything, but it's not like it's not the creator god, which is as no. Azathoth. I think the big thing is that Yog Sothoth is just. Oh no, I'm thinking of Shugats. Shugat Shugats are the ones. Shugats, yeah, I'm thinking of them. They're the invisible ones that there's a bunch of them. Yes, you're right. No, there's one Yog Sothoth. Yeah, and it kind of exists entity. out of time. It kind of exists out of outside of time and space. Yeah, so uh, it's a uh, as with all Lovecraft deities, kind of hard to describe, but it's very amusing to think that it had a child and was like, you know, what's a good name? Yog Sothoth. Yog Sothoth, massive glowing like spheres and tentacles, wearing like a business suit, like a nice <laughs> trimmed mustache and sideburns, like going off to work smoking a pipe. Like, oh, please. Yog Sothoth was my father. <laughs> it's the uh George Foreman approach of uh naming children. Oh god. But so you take on uh Yogso Thoth baby. Um It's kinda tough. Yeah, he's kinda tough. There's not so, a lot to the fight. I mean he's more he just, just takes a lot of hits. Yeah, he's it's more like it's just a physical fight though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's gonna be um recurring element in this part of the Persona game where they've air quotes fixed the boss problem from SMT1 where (laughs) no longer are bosses five second boss fights that you just sort of auto through after a few uh, Makarajas or whatever. Uh, They are very intense long, well not intense I guess because eventually you find a rhythm and then you take a healing break every once in a while then you go back to just spamming the attacks that you were on. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much that. That went for every boss fight in this section of the game for me. Oh yeah, same here. Mm-hmm. And actually, for this boss, I had fused somebody that gets Madirama. So it up to the end of this episode, it'll full heal your entire party. Damn, real useful. I still haven't found a Madirama, but I I also at this point uh, I think I might have more spell cards than personas at the moment. So I should probably <laughs> go to a fusion mansion and uh, unload some of those. Yeah, I've been I've definitely been slacking on the uh, persona fusing because my, my my personas have been good enough, but they're just starting to get to the point where it's like, oh, okay, I'm gonna need some stronger spells because these uh, common enemy fights are taking way too long. Yeah, it's hard to t- it's hard to tell tell that you're at that point unless you're like really dutiful in this game. I think uh, compared to other other Persona games and other SMT games, where it's like really clear when you got to, gotten to a portion where your personas or demons are not powerful enough anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, here, you in this game, you can sort of wait it out a little bit longer. Yeah, I, th- I think it's the leveling that does that because in the previous games, like you got what you got whenever you summoned that demon, and then that's the end of it. Um, but in this one, like it really does reward you. It, it doesn't push you to fuse more demons. Uh, but if you do, like, I had a full roster almost this entire section. Uh, three demon or three uh, three demons per party member. Uh, so I, was, I always had a healer on every single person. I always had like uh, a couple of mass damage, a couple of nuke spells, and the end result was like almost every dungeon for all my battles, I would just give so give everybody an AOE attack of like a very a different type of element, and so I could just auto battle through almost every random encounter, which made things go really fast. Unless you got hit with charm, oh. unless I got hit with charm, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but the ultimate ch- and char- charms are a rough one because oh charm man, worse. Oh, no- are we getting into charm talk now? Because Jesus, yeah, let's yeah. talk 2016. There are two things that make it a lot harder than in previous games. In all the other games, you had a near 100 percent escape rate. Uh, it's astronomically low in this game. And the other thing that impacts it is you can only um, you can talk to a demon to basically get it out of battle. But you can only reliably get a demon to go away once you already have their card. And that's something that you can't do until you're higher level than them. Something that's probably not going to happen until toward the end of a dungeon. So when we say uh, the uh, escape rate astronomically lower, let's just put that into context. I'd say in most battles it takes me somewhere between two and six attempts at escaping to get away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's compared to, like, I don't think I ever failed in SMT1 at an escape. I definitely did, but, like, you almost always got it the second time, so. Yeah, yeah. And it sucks because a lot of the time, you aren't a high enough level yet when you, like, get introduced to enemies that charm a lot. Never. Never, never. So you can't even, like, negotiate with them to avoid it. 
And the thing with charm is like you got to you really got to look out for it because like if you come across like three demons who have charm, they will charm your whole party within a couple turns and you lose complete control over your party and you're just like basically whacking the shit out of one another. And it I mean it'll like I mean there's been a number of times where it's just gotten into a loop and uh killed me. Yeah, I think that it was the next section where you're introduced to this enemy combo that's uh, two guys that look like birdmen and then three birds. And the three birds would just spam uh, Marin Karen on you. And just mm-hmm. everyone would get charmed except maybe one person. And there was just nothing you could do about it. It was pretty infuriating. And it stacks, too. So on the bright side, it does tell you how many turns are left over. But if you're facing an enemy with Marin Karen, they're probably going to cast it four more times before you're actually uncharmed. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my my way around this was to, uh, like, save continually, and if I came, ac- came across an encounter with uh, some of the bird enemies, I would just, like, quit out and, like, <laughs> you, reload. You, you save states, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm on a real Vita. Yeah, it So, sucks. yeah, everything I'm doing is legit. Oh, yeah, same here. Uh, the thing I ended yeah. up doing was, um, uh, because of how I had my demons set up, Raiji was always like eight levels above everybody else. So I would just, whenever there was a, a dungeon or an area that had a lot of charm enemies, I stumbled across a demon who's immune to charm, a persona that's immune to charm. And if you use some of your items that um, are like one-time spell casts, if you use that infusion, it teaches the demon that spell. So I taught that demon the escape from battle spell. And it's immune to charm, so whenever there'd be a, a bunch of charm enemies, I'd slap that on Raiji and just have him be basically the charm escape buddy. Mm. Yeah, so... Got that out of our systems? Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Fuck charm. So you beat a... Fuck <laughs> yeah. charm. Okay, I'm good. Fuck charm. Um, so you beat uh, Yogg Sothoth Jr. And, uh... Let's see... Do you get the charm or the expel after? No, I think you, beat you need him? to have it, or he won't fight you. I believe. Oh yeah, you're right. You get it. Yeah, you get it before you uh, before you fight him. Um, and then you will run into Aki, and she threatens you and tells you that you're going to uh, quote fight a cute girl soon, but she says it like it's something that you're going to want to do. So, what does that mean? <laughs> so, after, okay, so, I think the subway part actually comes... Man, this whole section is confusing. Anyway, you, you're you on one side of the subway, and you go to a mall, because really, the mall is, uh, it connects to the path that you need. On the world map, the roads are destroyed, where they used to connect to the other side of the roads. So, you have to go through the mall to uh, get to where you want to go. And at first, you're excited, you're in a mall, there are shops! Weapon shops, armor shops. There's a gambling casino if you want to do that, I guess. For the first there's a time. new velvet room. There's a save point. There's a healer. It's a pretty good little, it's a pretty good pit stop. But then you try to leave. <laughs> and you can't. You're stuck in the mall. And that brings us to a section we like to call Trapped in the Mall. To be fair, uh, Aki did tell you she was going to trap you. Like, straight she up. She did? Like, five seconds ago. <laughs> oh, I fucking forgot. Yeah. I've. Uh, Everyone's still flabbergasted so, yeah. when you can't get out of the mall, though. <laughs> when you, uh, when you, uh, so you, uh, you go into a, uh, the Peace Diner when you first walk in. This just happened to be the first shop I walked into, so I assumed it happened no matter what shop you look at, uh, first. But, uh, then, uh, a bunch of people, uh, you know, they, they're laughing at you. The bartender is calm. The patrons are crazed or depressed. <laughs> who wrote that <laughs> I, I mean okay they definitely do look like buff clowns they do they're all like <laughs> in various states of undress and some of them just have like opera sleeves with like stripes and they all have weird afros and they're all super ripped yeah and they're just so crying I, so when i uh so one of the conversations you have in here is a woman says to you oh she's like a buff clown woman she says to you i'm i'm a warning of what will happen to you and i have no idea what that means <laughs> so yeah they uh these buff clowns strike a little fear into you just let you uh be a little weirded out by what's going on 
They tell you that you're stuck in the mall with them in the queen's harem. The queen sets the rules and gets all the decent-looking men. If you try to leave, you just get warped back to the other side of the mall. So for harem, a harem, uh, you know, I didn't actually see too many dudes. There, when we get down to the dungeon, we'll see uh, a few half-naked dudes standing next to some paintings. Mm-hmm. I think it's a harem that's populated entirely by people that happen to be in a one-story mall at like 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. Oh, sure. Yeah. Surprising number of bodybuilders. In one-story malls <laughs> at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. Oh, when you're on the inside, you got nothing to do but pump. <laughs> so, we get to uh, the dungeon. Kama Palace. You uh, go downstairs and you find just this huge underground labyrinth. It is a maliciously designed dungeon. It's the worst one in the game for sure. It is a pain in the dick. Although I'm yeah. glad you guys are saying that there's nothing worse past this, because it would be scary if there was. Basically, um, understand our pain, listeners. There are elevators. There are pitfalls. There are one-way, uh, just one-way holes in the floor that you just can't get back out of. And you have to take a certain sequence of pitfalls to work your way down to the boss chamber. I'll tell you, I thought I was on the way to the boss, and I turned out uh, I only found some treasure rooms. Which brings me to another complaint. Why are there fucking trap chests in this game? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. They do nothing. (laughs) You can't die from them. Which is, in like, so just open one, then open all the rest of them. Your HP is going to be at one anyway. Because when you're in the overworld map, you're protected from death, I think, because... There's no way to program zero health on the overworld map. And there's no way to know. Mm-hmm. It yeah, just happens so, sometimes. Yeah, and you usually no get a pretty spell. okay item. But, like, come on. Man, I don't know. Most of them lately, because um, if I find one like that has, like, an explosion ball in it, then I get an item. Mm-hmm. But if it's, like, a special animation for the area, then it usually just says your HP was reduced to one. Yeah, and I get nothing. That is true. I forgot about that. Yeah. And these are rooms, these are rooms that are filled with, like, five to ten treasure chests. Mm-hmm. And and most of them are trapped. Why are yeah. there no treasure chests in the dungeon? There's no point in going to a dead end at all. It's, yeah, it's weird, it's baffling. I, so, we're all playing the PSP port. I wonder if this, it almost feels like the minimap was not originally designed for this game. No, no, the minimap is definitely a later edition, and I think you're right that it breaks that, that it tells you that things are dead ends, and they expect you not to know that they're dead ends and to go down to them anyway. Because mm-hmm. specifically, in the level we're on now, there are walls that are doors, and I don't think it expected you to know that those were doors. And that brings mm-hmm. me to another point, that thank God we got one level of bullshit removed, that we didn't have to push our faces against every fucking wall in this goddamn dungeon. Oh, yeah, that was really nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing that's kind of hard to comment on with us playing the PSP version, kind of like the thing with the minimap, I wonder if the original version had the thing where when you die, you go back to 1 HP, and you don't need to be revived. Mm-hmm. So I could see the original PSP or PS1 version being such a pain in the ass that when you open the wrong chest, okay, well, that's game over, go back to your save point. You're probably right. It's very interesting that Recarm has like no thing, nothing to do when you're outside of battle. Yeah, if if nothing else, it, either it was a a pleasantry they gave us in the PSP era to make up for bad design, or there were two designers that really weren't on the same page. And I'm more inclined to believe it's a later edition. So uh, anyway, uh, you uh, got to get your way. Basically, the actual path starts on floor four. Thank God there's an elevator right out there. But even on the way, you're just like pitfalls, traps, ugh, and you got to get all the way down. Really, your goal is basement floor 10. But you get all the way down to basement floor 8, and you find a room with uh, Chisato's paintings. Oh, yeah, the girl is Chisato, uh, a former classmate of yours. I think you know that by this point, right? Um, I don't... Uh, there, there are a couple of hints that are dropped, uh, but... It seemed it's, pretty obvious by that point that it was, like, one of your classmates, I think. It's definitely obvious to you. Yeah. That, uh, the characters in this game are idiots, and they don't find out anything until somebody <laughs> tells them. Uh, so I think well, they don't yeah. realize it until the first time you run into her. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I guess that makes sense, but... Um, we had, She had been mentioned before, though, right? Yeah. Like, in somebody's yeah. offhand conversation. Or we did we see her in the original school before we... 
So she is the one that disappeared because she ran off with Yosuke. Yes, that's it. Okay, Yosuke there, there we tells go. Tells you to keep an eye out for her. Yeah, and she goes missing. So Yosuke sort of sent us on this quest to find her, and uh, we also find out that she, you know, she's painting, uh, and she's hanging up these paintings. And this guy, half naked buff clown, says, um, "Hey, isn't this painting so good? It's so great, so good." And you're like, "Oh, those look like Chisato's paintings." And that guy, oh, there we go, is like, "No, no, no, yeah. the queen painted these." Yeah, there. That's exactly what it is. Okay, so the the line mm-hmm. the line is very clear. You're supposed to figure this out by now. And these guys are just like, well, how weird is it that the queen paints exactly like Chisato? It's also <laughs> great because I I keep forgetting that Mark is supposed to be this really talented artist whose graffiti like amazes everyone who sees it because he is very like <laughs> artsy fartsy critical of Chisato's paintings. <laughs> like every time you run into a room with one of them, he has something new to say that's mean. Oh, sure. And that comes up later when you're like, fighting her. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you get all the way down to basement floor 10, I think you find one other Chisato room on the way here. Uh, but you get all the way down to basement floor 10, you find the queen herself. Her face has white butterfly makeup around the eye, and her forehead has a smattering of black markings. She immediately recognizes all of you. Maki is uh, worried. At, so at this point, they know, right? Yeah, they're like, still not. No. No, they they think she's a captive. Yeah. Oh, they think just think she's a captive. But do they think it's Chisato or the Queen? They think Chisato is a hostage of the Queen. Okay, but and then when they're talking to this person, they think it is. Oh, the, the, yeah, they're the person they're talking to. They think they know it's Chisato. They know it's her. Okay, but they think she's being held hostage. Yes, yeah, so they mm-hmm. think that she's being held hostage. They think she's a prisoner, and they're you know let's get out of here. Yeah, la la la. Chisato says that an angel in black lent her a mirror that grants wishes. Oh, an angel in black, you say. Uh, she, yeah, that that always, you know, that's always a, a good uh, omen. positive sign in fiction. <laughs> she, uh, she used the mirror to create her harem and trap everyone inside. The uh, angel in black is, of course, Aki, the girl in black that we've been chasing all over the fucking map. We find out that Chisato was actually jealous of Maki getting all the guys, getting accolades for her art. So they have a shouting match, and, uh, you know, she uh, basically gives her villain uh, origin story speech, like, fuck you, Maki, how dare you, Um, your art sucks. And then um, also, fuck you for (laughs) attempting this dungeon, and she warps your entire party out to the first floor of... Yeah, like, fuck you, player. How dare you play Persona 1? So look, I know that everyone is expecting, uh, you know, me to hand out my prestigious uh, Fuck You of the Game Award. I can't give it to this one. This one is too mean. So let's take some <laughs> classic examples of, of uh, Mega Ten Fuck You. So in, in Mega, Megami Tensei 2, currently the um, golden standard for Fuck Yous is the getting his arm caught in the machine and then just <laughs> losing your arm losing your demon summoning abilities that's great because it doesn't it doesn't actually it, it only hinders you for a short time and it makes you panic so it's like i gotta get this solved this just sets you back it's not it doesn't offer a new challenge it just says do it again and there's no yeah. trick. There's no like. There's not a shortcut. There's not a puzzle you have to solve. You literally just have to do the exact same thing in the same order another time. Yeah. Did you write the fucking directions down? That's what it's mm. asking you. And it's like, well, ugh, ugh. Ugh. without the benefit of a fact, you know, you could easily think, okay, well, maybe, uh, maybe I missed an item. Maybe I. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have taken that path. You there, know, there maybe are... there's some way to, like, get back there qu- quicker. There's all these different, like, you know, if you were looking, playing this game in 1996 or 7, whenever it came out, and you didn't have a strategy guide and you didn't have access to facts, you, you'd be totally boned. Yeah, man, there are so many paths that you almost took but didn't. Uh, God, I like searching this, and and because there are hidden doors. Oh God, oh God, I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we gotta go do it again, and it's just going do the exact same thing. So look, the 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 setback is also doubly hurtful for me because I spent hours grinding on this part. Here's the thing we haven't really said yet: 
Persona 1 gets really grindy at this point. It's expecting you to do like two to three hours of grinding per area before you even fight the boss. And then once you beat the boss, you're able to go back and then recruit all the all the demons that you've skipped out on because they were too high level for you to recruit at the time you were fighting. Yeah. So yeah, it hurt, hurt doubly. It's real bad. That aspect gets a little bit better after the forest that we'll get to later, but... Yeah, it usually does. There's always a really weird middle bump in uh, Shin Megami games, or at least in the early ones. Yeah, this is definitely... This dungeon and the one after this are the worst. And I, and I don't get it. Like, they're so good at designing beginnings, and for the most part, endings. Anyway. Yeah, this is becoming a running theme in this podcast. We're uh, <laughs> the, second, the second episode of, uh, of uh, each game that we do. We are uh, griping about these, like, nightmarish difficulty bumps and uh, really, really spiteful dungeons. <laughs> and you know what? Like, even, like, I'll spoil this. Like, even though, like, I'm grousing so much, it's, I, I find it, it would be hard to debate that any other game we've played so far is as good as this one. This feels oh, yeah. like the oh, most definitely. complete game, the most interesting challenge. Because uh, the one thing that this game is, has done that the others haven't so far is I do feel engaged in the minute-to-minute battle. Oh, yeah, you have to be. I mean, you can't... One of the things about grinding is you can't... Even though you have way more options in the auto, bo- auto battle... You just can't uh, hit auto battle. Up. You just can't. Yeah, you can't just hit auto battle. You're, you're going to hit... Unless you are like hitting the same... like groups of enemy formations pretty consistently it's the exception to the rule rather than the rule yeah you've really got to pay attention to what spells you're using and uh, what the different elemental affinities of the different enemies are you can't just grind mindlessly so yeah we uh lots grinding make your way back to the boss because you need to suffer um and then uh you uh she uh, removes her mask. You find out that her face is covered in uh, a bunch of dark blotches. They just sort moles? of look like, uh, yeah, like moles, I guess. Like they're not very clear about it, but they're like they're big open marks. Like they could be giant blackhead zits, for all we know. Yeah, and she gets more every time she uses the mirror. Hmm. So uh, she complains that the mirror is great, but she hates it now because you know she's ugly now. Because of these uh, giant open sores on her face. Not sores. Ah, whatever. Pools of blackness. <laughs> and she shows, uh, she shows you one of Maki's paintings. Like you specifically, the protagonist. And then asks you which one you like more. Hers or Maki's. Did you guys all pick Maki's? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Even if I could see the painting and I disagreed. A, I'm going to take my buddy Mark's word for it because he seems to know quite oh, a bit true. about it. And he's like, oh, your painting's terrible, Chisato. There's no heart in it. Ugh. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. He is like, he is complaining like she's, uh, she, she strives too much to be like other people and she's always in other people's shadows and she's not her own person. It's like, damn, you got that from a painting, Mark? <laughs> um, but Mark's kind of guy, you just show like, you just do a little doodle and he's like, Hey man, is everything okay at home? <laughs> well, Mark's also been very, very heavily in Maki's court, like right from. Oh the yeah, day. he's got a he's big old crush on her. You see her in the hospital, so yeah, like naturally he's gonna be like, "Oh, of course, Maki, your work's terrible. It's nothing like Maki's." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Maki's like maybe the most bland, generic female anime character of all time, but like, oh totally, she's, absolutely, she's, nice. she's okay, she's cool, she wants to help out. Um. And Chisato has made me do this dungeon twice, so, like, she can fuck right off. Right. That's, yeah. that's the big thing. Like, I don't care how good your painting is. So, uh, you say, Maki, uh, Mark, uh, you know, is like, oh, man, your painting sucks. Uh, she turns him into a stone like a Medusa. Um, and then she also uh, stones your other two party members, whoever they are. I had, for the record, Nanjo and Brown. Boo. Boo. Boo Brown. Mm, such um, a goober. I do, uh, I, I like Nanjo. He's kind of a dick. I like him. Nanjo's great. Oh, yeah. I like him a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I forget. So you, the, Nanjo's the required one, right? Of those three. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you fill yeah. in the last person. But Nanjo, is it here where Nanjo and Mark get into a fight and Nanjo calls him an ape? And then. I don't know. No, that was earlier. That was earlier. Oh, God. Was Nanjo that in the American release? Monkey. 
I yeah, really was wondering, not. did they still call him a monkey when he was a black guy? They probably did. Fuck, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it was the I 90s. Know. It was a different time. So uh, we get a... Now that you're basically your entire party, except for Q and Maki, is completely disabled, um, it's uh, time to fight her. The girl in black shows up. She offers to fix Chisato's face so she defeats you in combat. And then she calls for the mirror's strongest power. And then we're in a boss fight. It's literally you and Maki. Not as hard as it sounds, honestly. It depends a lot on what personas those two had. Uh, it, it wasn't hard for me, but man, it was tedious. It took forever. Yeah, it's well, she's fun. weak to wind and ice, which I believe are their default persona types. Which, if you're like me, I, I had done so much fiddling by then that they had they each had three personas, and neither of them were their originals. Yeah, I so still had... I, I basically, on all my characters, I have one original, one, like, level 18-ish persona, and I'm about to equip everyone with, like, level 30-ish personas. Man, no wonder you're having a hard time. And dude, I'm so low level, man. I don't know how to fuck to... Anyway, it's impossible <laughs> to catch up. Did we talk about the weird experience pair, experience distribution system? Oh, we haven't talked about that, no. Evan, you, you understood the breakdown of it, so you go for it. Yeah. Uh, basically, whenever you do a battle, you get experience based on how much you did in that battle per character. Um, I'm not sure if it's a flat amount for the entire encounter that then gets distributed, because sometimes it seems like a couple of people will get tons of XP, then a couple of people will get nothing. And if only one person gets a ton of XP, it's still the same amount. Uh, but basically, if you can, if one person wipes the entire enemy team, they're going to get like 15 times more XP than everybody else. Uh, same thing if one person's healing the entire team, if one person's casting debuffs on the entire enemy. Uh, it's basically proportional to how much you do relative to, I think, just the total number of enemies on screen. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can kind of game that. Like if you have somebody that's a little bit weaker, uh, you can give them a persona that has something like a, um, a medium attack on nuclear attack. Uh, that's a really fast way to build up experience. Uh, it's it's one of the reasons um, Raiji is eight levels above everybody else consistently for me. But uh, yeah, it, it's a strange system, and it makes it really easy to get a very unbalanced party fast. Mm -hmm. I find that Mark is always... Like you say, Raiji is seven or eight levels ahead. I've got Mark like seven or eight levels behind. I'm I'm having the same problem with Nanjo. I can't get him caught up. Yeah, so the thing I always do is whenever somebody's caught up, uh, there's a couple of spells. I think the mass medium gravity attack is something you can buy in a store that you can then teach to any uh, persona that you mm. use uh, by using that as your fusion item. Oh, shit, Evan, you're going to have to teach me about fusion items because I just don't do it. <laughs> okay. It's just most items say random. Some items say does this or teaches a skill or something like that. And for those consumables, whenever it says teaches a skill, it teaches you whatever that consumable does. Oh, so like the, the stones that cast Miraga or whatever. Yeah. Fortunately, the ones it doesn't work for are the ones you would really want, like the oh. attack up and stuff. God stuff. damn it. <laughs> of course not. So anyway, so you're fighting uh, the Harem Queen boss. Uh, she deals non-elemental slash nuclear damage. Has a few heals. Um, uh, so she does have a really a good like attack animation where she like, looks like a creepy Japanese horror movie monster where, like, she's got the slumped-over back and her hair is kind of, like, obscuring her face. And uh, when she's ready to attack, she sort of, like, does a little jig and then snaps her hair at you. She'll, like, pull her <laughs> hair back and her face will be all spooky-looking. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's neat. It's pretty great. And then, do we have anything else to say about this boss fight? It wasn't, like, it took a while, but it wasn't hard. Did we mention that she parts her hair and that she's got another face on the back oh, of her head? Oh, is that the back of her head? I thought oh, her face was yeah. changed. Well, yeah, that would, uh, yeah, I didn't notice that, Paul. Gotta be yeah. honest. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, at the start of the battle, she's facing you, then she just turns around, parts the back of her hair, and this creepy, like, smiling face comes out of just her black back oh, of the head. Oh, I didn't realize that's what that yeah, was, because the sprite's kind of vague. I didn't see her turn. I thought that her, like, actual face had just turned scary. Yep, that's basically what I that's thought, too. Cooler. That actually makes yeah. a ton more sense. Uh, yeah, it's like something out of a Junji Ito yep. like novel or something. Or manga. This is one of those boss fights where I feel like they wanted to have a more specific battle system than they do. <laughs> it doesn't really matter that you only have two characters because any of your characters are kind of interchangeable for the most part. Like, everyone has, like, things that they're good at. But there's not a lot of specificity to the way combat works, so it's just like, oh, well, I just have me and Maki, but that doesn't really what happens if you that much. 
What happens if you give a bad or worst persona to somebody? Like, you know how when you're making a persona, it tells you if it's, like, what uh, compatibility rating it has? So I don't know about bad, but I don't think you can give a worst persona to somebody. Okay, that makes sense. But you got to be able to give a bad, or why else would there be a distinction between bad and worst? You know what? That, that comes up in a lot of other games. I've never looked that up before. Yeah, okay. Well, that's some homework that we got to figure out. <laughs> um, we'll ignore it for it now. Well, I'll think about it next time I'm using personas. Bad personas can't use skills? <laughs> really? Then why would they... I don't think they give any stat boosts or not. The only benefits are resistances and stat boosts. Uh, latent skills. Oh, resistances. I guess that makes sense. You could attach them and, oh, you're immune to fire, but you can't do shit. Okay. Good. Yeah. That, that um, makes sense. Can use skills, but it won't use like that random latent skill that happens with great. And great, the only difference is that it has the extra skill. Oh, that makes sense. So anyway, after the battle, Aki, the girl in black, wants Chisato saying that she's so weak she won't help her out. Not that she was going to anyway. Of course not. So, uh, see, Aki explains that uh, her father and her were using Chisato as a guinea pig to test out the mirror. Ha-ha, she was a pawn all along. Chisato refuses to believe that Maki still wants to help and be friends after all this time. Then Yosuke shows up. Oh man, it's a love story. It's a classic Romeo and Juliet where he uh, explains to her, it doesn't matter how she looks, uh, and he never loved Maki, even though Chisato thought that he was in love with Maki the whole time. But Yosuke loves her for her entire personality, based off hating Maki. And then the mirror shatters, and Chisato's moles disappear, and uh, everyone becomes uh, human again, and we're all friends, and uh, it's time to go track down Maki, who lives in a castle. And also, if you, uh, after the boss fight, when uh, Yosuke and Chisato are, uh, you know, kissed and made up, you can walk back in and uh, witness uh, an intimate scene. Like, not like they're having sex intimate, but like them whispering sweet nothings in each other's ears. And then Mark uh-huh. is all like, let's get out of here, fellas. <laughs> I don't know. I don't care a whole lot about Chisato's problems. I don't give a no. single I think fuck. it's kind of neat yeah. because, like, the framework of this story is almost exactly the way, like, the personal stories in Persona 4 would work, like, way later. Yeah, you're right, because there's a big thematic idea of, like, staying true to yourself in it. Yeah, too. and, like, dealing with, like, personal demons that, like, take physical form and fuck with them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, Shisato, I don't know if it's, like, the specific issues being really shallow or just the way it's delivered, but it just drops like a thud and these are like the longest cutscenes in the game so far and not only that it was built up it's not like it came out of nowhere we knew yosuke's name a while ago we knew chisato's name a while ago we knew these characters were eventually going to cross our paths just because of how often they were being brought that's kind of neat i like that yeah but it's just like that it's then it's this and it makes me hate chisato and it makes me not want to give her a happy ending it's such mm-hmm. a good, like, opportunity for, like, a little filler villain, too, where, like, oh, we needed to test the mirror, see what we could do with it. And then, I don't like, on paper, everything about this works for me, and just playing the game, I'm just like, ah, please, stop talking, please, anything else, anything else. <laughs> well, it's the opposite of pathos, too, because, like, there's no comeuppance for all the bad things that she's done. She was, like, a guinea pig to test out the mirror, she did all these terrible things. Uh, she made you go through this uh, terrible dungeon twice, and then fought you, and there's really no like punishment for it, you know? And with that, we're done with the mall, pretty <sighs> Finally, much. Finally, Jesus Christ. Go back up, use your fucking get out of here <laughs> spell, and, uh, you know, stock up, because at this point you have like 10,000 fucking yen, or actually 200, 300,000, because that's actually what yen costs in the game and you finally have stuff to use it on which is nice yeah i like that the guy who runs the armor shop a wears a gas mask um and b says check out my collection of weapons and then he only sells armor (laughs) (laughs) like no one did a once over on the scripts guy like i know this i know you did because i remember the ps1 version of this game so like how did that get through
So now that you're out of the mall, you're kind of like able to walk around town again and do whatever you want. And there are like some neat little side things if you like want to go to places. You don't really have to like, oh, that girl. Who's got time for that? Uh, me, apparently. <laughs> like, oh, that rich lady from the regular world is like poor and angry in this world. And the poor girl from school is rich and snobby now. Um, oh, man. If I had um, a better sense of remembering to talk to NPCs in the JRPG games I play, I would have liked that a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's fun. If I had noticed it. And like, every location is like that. And the map is like flipped and the colors are different and it's neat. Um, so you're trying to get to the castle because you know that's where Aki lives, quote unquote. Uh, and if you just like go right up to the castle door, then she'll like show up and she'll be like, "Hi, you can't get in," and she'll leave. Um, she says that the one in the forest got in, but she's too scared to do anything about it now. And you're like, "Oh, okay. So we should we should go to the forest. We should see what's up." Um, also, when she leaves in this cutscene, like whenever a cutscene's over, all your characters will just, like, stand around in the room. You can talk to them to get a little extra, like, flavor dialogue. Um, and if you talk to Nanjo here, he says, Hey, protagonist, doesn't that child's behavior trouble you somewhat? Like, what? <laughs> no! She seems like a perfectly normal, like, little girl. Nanjo, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, and I just... He has the most of those lines for me of just, like, saying things like, What, dude? Come on, man. Um, so you make your way over to the forest, and it's the next dungeon. It's pretty quick, like, between the mall and the forest. There's not, like, a lot of chaff, like, between. Um, it's full of pink trees that look like the, like, trees that you save your game on. And, uh, whoa, boy, does having, like, a an environment that's supposed to look natural uh, kind of give away the limitations of the engine of this game. Um it's very square, and you can see like exactly where those textures end and begin, and it's it's not great, but the change of scenery is nice because up until now it's all like industrial buildings and industrial science buildings and a school. Ian, look, we've all survived. Well, you didn't. We've all survived SMT one, and <laughs> in SMT one, you didn't get nearly the variety that we're getting in dungeons in this game. So. You know what? Persona 1 like kind of has a pass on that for me at least cuz I'm grading on a curve right now. And maybe I'll feel differently in a few in a few I'm games. Sorry, I don't appreciate. Well, I mean my favorite Mega 10 game is Persona 3, so I, I don't have room to talk in that front, but uh yeah, no, the variety is nice. Um the big like dumb annoying gimmick in this dungeon is uh there are tiles that when you step on them, they'll always like bump you to the left, but not to the left of the tile, like, to the left of the direction you were facing when you stepped on the tile. So, like, the way you have to maneuver around it is by facing a different direction and then, like, sidestepping or backing into it to get to where you want to go. Um, it's not difficult. It's just kind of a thing that you have to do. Um, otherwise, I don't think the dungeon is, like, there's not really anything about it. There are enemies that are tougher than enemies you've been fighting, but it's not super remarkable. Do you guys have any thoughts on the forest? No, I, I blew through this entire area in, I want to say, like 15, 20 minutes. Damn. I grinded here for a while. Um, I grinded a bit mostly yeah. because the last area taught me that I had to. Yeah, I felt like I needed to do it. Um, I probably, yeah, if I, like, just bashed my head against it, could have gotten through it pretty quick, but I was specifically thinking, okay, I'm just going to keep doing this until I'm high, high enough level to at least recruit some of these spell cards, because, yeah, I got to eventually. Yeah. Uh, so with me, I was doing most of my recruiting on the world map between areas mm. at this point. Uh, I already had a few demons, but kind of kind of my mentality was like, well... They always they always throw a save point at me before the boss. If I'm too low level or have the wrong personas before a boss, I can always load a save and go back. And so I, I was kind of blowing through areas, uh, not really stopping to grind at all, and then letting the next area get me up to XP. But the consequence was I couldn't recruit any new demons until after the right. boss fight. But um, because you can fuse demons higher level than your character, it kind of works out. Because you can fuse demons for one area into a persona that you can't use yet, but you will probably be ready to use by the time you get to the next boss fight. 
in the middle of the forest, there's a gingerbread house, uh, and you bust your way inside, and there's a little girl in there, and uh, she looks exactly like Aki, but she's wearing a white dress instead of a black dress, but all your characters are like, whoa, no! And she's like, whoa, hey, chill out, I'm cool. Actually, I think she starts crying, and, uh, oh yeah, okay. And then Maki's like, oh, hey, no, it's cool, we're not gonna, like, hurt you or anything. And Maki recognizes her as uh, Mai, who is, like, the good counterpart to Aki. She has the same little, she has a little compact mirror that looks like a half moon, and um, Maki's like, oh, that looks just like my mirror, that's weird. And um, so Mai's like, oh, I'm I'm the good half of me, and Aki is the bad half of me. And I was lonely, and then Kandori showed up, and when he did, my evil side came out and went with him, and everyone's just like, okay, that sounds, yeah, that sounds reasonable, whatever. Perfect. I mean, the day we've been having, sure, fucking, sure. Um, Anything's possible. So, um, the mirror is magic, and it grants wishes, and Mai used it to create this whole world of the town that they're in. Um, But when Aki, like, split out of her, it also split the mirror in half, and she took it with her. So whenever Mai tries to make wishes with it, Aki cancels out those wishes because she's mischievous and evil. Um, For some reason, it never occurs to Mai to do that to Aki's wishes, but, like, well, whatever. Um, So then you have this big, long dialogue tree with her where you have to, I think, make three choices, where she's like, oh, I'm scared. And you're like, hey, man the fuck up, little girl. <laughs> Wait, let, me, let, me, let me pull up the correct answers for complete context here. Because honestly, man, if I had to guess, I wouldn't have gotten these answers right. It didn't really be... Here, I've got them right, I've got them right here. Oh, you do? So yeah, go ahead yeah. and tell us what the answers were supposed to give if we would like to pursue the good ending. Uh, okay, so Mai says, won't I be safe if I hide here? And uh, your protagonist says, stop hiding. Mai says, why are you all trying so hard? And uh, you have to respond, for everyone's sake. And then Mai says, what are, you fo- what are you living for? And the protagonist says, to find my reason. So I would like to point out that the other option on that last question is, I don't know. And I <laughs> fail to see the significance between the difference of answering, what are you living for? With I don't know, and I'm trying to find my reason because that sure sounds like the same answer to me. I think I don't know is more non like oh man, I, I have no idea. Whereas the other one is like I don't know, but damn it, I'm gonna find out. <laughs> I, so if it's like if, I would have liked it better if the answers were like I don't know or I know that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that would have been pretty hilarious. Like, encourage this little girl to go fight when like. Any other little girl in fiction, you'd probably be like, hey, no, chill out this gingerbread house where it's safe. We'll go fight people. <laughs> Stop hiding, little girl. Face your problems. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird that that's the one you have to pick. Um, but you do. And uh, that'll kind of like wrap up the forest for now. Yay. Oh, there's a door behind her that's locked. Oh, right. You, like, if you pick the, the good answers she gives you her half of the mirror and if you pick the bad answer she doesn't and that's the difference indeed so we gotta go use that mirror we should probably yes. go back to that place where we said we needed the mirror for yeah so with the mirror in hand uh, the half moon compact you can head back to the old castle where uh, Aki is hiding uh, at the front of the building if you so at the front of the building it's like your normal scene where it's all your dudes kind of standing around they can talk to you Nanjo won't say anything if you talk to him. He'll be really uncomfortable, and then everybody else is just talking about how Nanjo is being really weird. Uh, that's because as soon as you put the key in the slot, he announces to the entire party that you are all playing in a Kandori's plot, and you just delivered the other half of the compact straight to him. I like that he like st- tries to stop you for a second. And is like, now nah, you know what? <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, and like, and Raiji gets really pissed at him. He's like, "Why the hell did you do that? Like, what do you, what is wrong with you? Why didn't you say something?" He's like, "Well." Yeah, it sucks, but this is also the only way to get to Kandori, and he makes it very clear that that's really all he cares about, is getting another chance to try to kill Kandori. I had really forgotten so, about his vendetta, because he hasn't brought it up in a while. I, yeah. Man, I, I'm, I'm wondering how dialogue works. Like, how... Because I had... 
in my party, it was Brown who said that, not Raiji, right? So if you had Brown and Raiji, who would get that one? I don't think you can. You can. Because I thought yeah, you, could, I, you have to bring the oh, four people, see. and then Brown or Raiji or Ellie or that other lady, ISA, are your extra person. Okay, so you oh you have to have Mark. Yeah, I think so. I thought Mark yeah. was optional because yeah. I thought you could turn him away when you uh, found him. I think Mark will come along regardless, and you just turn down Brown. Okay, I didn't realize it was only one recruitable person. I assumed it was two the entire time. Okay, that makes sense then. So your recruitable person would probably just get mad at uh, Nanjo no yeah. matter what. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, once you're once you're uh, inside the castle, welcome to. What is probably my favorite dungeon in the game? It's big, it's hard, but it does, it's not a pain in the dick. Now, Evan, are uh, you saying this only because the dungeon right before was the mall? I'm it's saying it now. because it's 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 sandwiched between two not super fun dungeons. Uh, the the one yeah the one before it's the mall. The one after this uh, we won't get into it this episode, but it is a very long dungeon. Um, oh no, actually it's a. a yeah, it's it's not the one after this. The one after this is another one like the forest. But really but, um, soon. I love the one after this. Really it's soon, great. Yeah. I'm so excited to talk about it. <laughs> uh but um yeah, the, like I really like this dungeon. It's 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 fairly long, but it doesn't throw a lot of tricks at you. Uh it has some treasure chests that blow up, but I'm desensitized to that <laughs> at at this point. Uh yeah, it's just a really big straightforward dungeon. I gained a lot of XP real fast. There aren't as many people that cast charm. And there are ample healers and plenty of easy ways to get back to the start of the dungeon to, um, you know, just stock up on new personas, do some fusions, and heal up. Yeah, the the only real tricks this dungeon has is there's a few paths that end in treasure rooms, and uh, besides that, there are some um, uh, obscured rooms where you can't actually see your main screen. But again, you have the mini map, and you can yeah. bash your head against it pretty quick. Yeah, so and there was actually one thing that could be kind of irritating to people. Uh, for me, it was great because it got me to get enough levels to where I could actually get through this boss fight okay. Sure. Uh, but there's a lot of backtracking in this dungeon if you don't know where you're going because you can go super far down a path that an entire wing of the dungeon is nothing but a dead end. Uh, so that, that could be annoying, but it, it kind of forced me to explore the entire dungeon and grind that way. My mini-map was all filled out. And it was easier to navigate. Uh, so on the uh, fourth floor, deep in the castle... Uh, you find Aki and Ken Dori. Uh, so if you have Raiji as your uh, fifth party member, he'll confront Kandori. And Kandori's, you know, Kandori's being Kandori. <laughs> he's uh, Raiji shouts at him, and he's like, like, you're a ter- terrible person. Like, what are you doing? You're disgracing yourself. You need to be defeated. You need to be destroyed. Like, he's making it clear. Like, he hates Kandori. And K- Kandori turns around and tells him, don't be so coarse with your brother's name. Watch your tongue. Mm-hmm. He may be a child of father's mistress, but Kandori blood fo- flows in you. Ooh. Oh, wow. uh, but what's the use? A stray bitch will breed Ooh. stray dogs. Uh, dropping oh, the reveal. That, yeah, the reason Kandori is, so, is such a sad boy is because his mom was a mistress that got, um, in Raiji's words, uh, used by Kandori's father and then uh, thrown away like a dirty rag. Yikes. Oh my. So. Well, so it, you got a you got a pretty good cutscene there, Evan. Oh yeah. So I feel like I should know at this point if you don't have Raiji in your party, he is uh, beaten up, bloody on the ground in front of Kandori when you enter the so room. So presumably that exchange probably still happens. Yup. Except he had to fight him alone and failed. Yeah, and actually, uh, so they they try to do that to Raiji. Uh, so whenever you um whenever this happens, he immediately Kandori just kind of loses his temper and six Aki on Raiji. And so Aki summons some divine lightning that strikes Raiji down. Uh, then pretty soon after that, uh, Kandori unites Mai's and Aki's compacts into the Mirror of Chaos. Uh, bum, he uses bum, this bum. to summon a portal back to his own world. And as you as you know, the mirror the mirror is able to grant wishes when it's grant wishes when it's broken in half. It's way more powerful when it's the entire mirror. It's also uh, huge. So like it's a full size mirror now. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like a straight up just portal to the other world. Um yeah, Kandori uh, announces that his plan is now set into motion. Uh and then in the mirror you get a nice little FMV cutscene of a several square blocks of Tokyo uh just get completely eradicated and then replaced with a ziggurat. Ziggurat's a good way to describe it. Man, these anime cutscenes catch me and... off guard every time. 
Because they're only like four <laughs> or five of them, and they're really far apart from each other. So every time it happens, I'm just like, oh, oh yeah. wait, whoa. Uh, so once you see the ziggurat uh, show up, uh, Kandori will cut back in to give you a little bit of exposition. He tells you that the diva system that got you to the other world and the compacts that created the chaos mirror were all just laying the groundwork for Kandori to become a god, and his eventual goal is to annihilate all Boo. of humanity. Boo. Uh, he walks. He walks toward the mirror and tells you that, hey, if you want to come at me, fine. Find your way to the other world and figure out how to get to me. I'm out. He walks to the mirror, summons a demon to fight you, and now you are ready for the Sarva boss fight. Um, this fight's pretty. It was. Aww. It was pretty tough. Yeah, it was really <laughs> tough for me. Um, I, I had kind of built my party in such a way to where I could auto-battle a lot of random encounters, uh, which involved a lot of non-elemental, a lot of nuclear. Um, I was kind of weak when it came to pure elemental damage. Uh, He's weak to fire and wind, but he's strong to pretty much everything else, and even fire and wind, he resists pretty hard. Yeah, if you're lucky, you're going to do about one-fortieth of his total damage on a good move. Yeah, uh, like uh, putting this into context, a, a fire spell that normally did 500 damage uh, to a weak enemy uh, in a random encounter does like 50 to 120, depending on which persona I'm using. And that's with. like an element that he's weak to. Yeah. And uh, he has a couple tricks up his sleeve. He can cast an AoE Earth spell, so uh, this is another another area where having multiple personas per party member is absolutely crucial, uh, because he can he can one or two shot some of your party members with that spell. Yeah, my Mark was uh, weak to his fucking Earth spell on my game. Yes, and, uh, I... I I had the main character that was weak to that, and I had to switch to a tertiary persona. Right. And then he has that arrow spell, which you were about to say anyway. I'm just going to take that from you. And he would shoot. <laughs> he would destroy Maki with that arrow spell. Like, she went down. Oh, yeah. Uh, and th- this is also another area where, again, because you have so many persona slots, you have a lot of options for how to set up different builds for your party. Uh, so I had two healers at this point. Um Nanjo was my Medea Rama healer, uh, Maki was my uh, Dirahan and uh, Rekarm healer. Uh, but between the two of them, they were able to keep my party up. Uh, the only big problem was the mute spell that this guy casts, uh, where he can mass mute most of your party, anybody that's not immune. Um, yeah, that never got me too bad. It maybe affected like me for two turns at a time when it happened, but I don't know. It, 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 it was never enough to really cripple me in this fight. Like, honestly, this fight was one of the ones I was talking about where it's like, I was just in a rhythm. Every once in a while, I had to take a healing break. He almost made it a little tight at a few points, but I recovered every single time. But it still took a grand total of, like, 25 minutes? Yeah. It's a, it's a long about one. Minute, yeah. But, um, so yeah, once he finally goes down after goddamn near half an hour, um, uh, your party finds, your party t- decides, you know what? We are going to go after Kandori. We need to find a portal back to the other dimension. And uh, they they talk to each other, and they they remember it's like okay, well, the ziggurat is where the haunted mansion haunted is. Haunted mansion. World, so I guess we're going to the haunted mansion. There... Oh, it's so good. Well, <laughs> I look forward to the haunted mansion, but for today, that pretty much brings us to the end of our journeys in the Persona universe. Man, I'm so upset. I'm sorry, buddy. We wanted to go <laughs> further, guys. We wanted to go further in this episode, but it was just such a grind. It took us so long to get to this. To even to this point so that's why we stopped here so sorry about that everybody we'll make it up to you next time uh and we will also um cover the snow queen quest in some sort of capacity yet to be determined just to see we want to see if anyone can actually do it uh, <laughs> no promises i want to try it but we also don't want to burn out of the podcast <laughs> three games in yeah we are, we are not guaranteeing anyone's gonna beat the snow queen quest but we're gonna we're gonna at least you know look into it tell you everything we can find it. yeah um you know do we have any other admin stuff we wanted to go through we've got normal admin stuff at the end but anything else anyone wanted to add or anything i'll get into it more next episode but i was so so disappointed when kendori's ultimate motivation was to kill all the humans like He's such a delicious scumbag archetype character, and then <laughs> turning into like like that college freshman who just got back from his like first semester, and he took a philosophy one hundred and one class, and he learned about like Frederick Nietzsche, and he and he's, oh yeah, and he's, he's got like Nietzsche's name like uh, 
like written in his arm with a with a knife. Yeah, he's got it all figured out, man. <laughs> Humanity, what's it good for? And so that's just like the most generic, terrible fucking like one JRPG is allowed to do that, and that's Final Fantasy VI, and that did that like what a couple years before this one, and no one else should ever do it because it's a terrible, <laughs> terrible trope. Oh yeah. Well, in the other in the other Persona games, like you will get a villain that wants to do that, but they have way better reasons yeah. for doing it. Because they aren't just they aren't just a dude who owns a corporation. And they also have better like expressions of why that is. And like good like mm, man, it's so good in Persona Three. Mm. Mm. We'll get there, Ian. <laughs> we'll get there. Someday. It's a it's a far off from now dream. But yeah, Paul, run through some uh, the normal admin stuff if everyone's uh, got everything out of their system. Yeah, well, uh you can uh, drop us a line at megatenmarathon at gmail dot com. Um, the next game we'll be doing after Persona is, uh, Strange Journey, so if you have any, uh, feedback about Persona or Strange Journey, uh, send it along to us. You can also, uh, like us on Facebook. If you, uh, search for Megaten Marathon on Facebook, you'll find us. Uh, we're on the Twitter, we're on SoundCloud, uh, only the most recent episode is available on SoundCloud, but, um, you can find all that by going to our website, which is megatenmarathon.com. And if you want to leave us a uh, rating and review on iTunes, that would be much appreciated. So, uh, yeah, I think that wraps it up for uh, admin, unless I forgot anything. No, I think we're good. Ian, you know, thank you so much for joining us once again. I know it's been a, a bit of a slog. No, but, uh, no, no, no. thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, I just want to, you know, let everyone know that there's a... When I was very young, my grandma used to give me this advice before biting into an apple. Life-y, life-ho, he-ho, is not fair.